0: The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of Fountain House.
1: Welcome to the launch of the Fountain House podcast entitled The Voices Within. With this podcast, Fountain House aims to highlight voices in our society who are so often silenced and stigmatized, the voices of individuals living with mental illness. In our podcast, we will present the lived experiences of our Fountain House community, people living and working with mental illness who volunteer to create a place of recovery and mutual aid. We hope to bring you meaningful content highlighting a diverse array of perspectives and experiences from our inspiring members reflecting the strength and meaning of our community. We intend for our podcast to be a platform to discuss both mental illness and the social issues relevant to our lives and to stimulate a thought-provoking dialogue with the world. For our first episodes, we are sharing stories from our members as they reflect on their experiences during the COVID-19 pandemic. Alright, hello everyone. My name is Michael Hamlin and I'll be one of your hosts for the first episode of the new Fountain House podcast. So, a little bit about me. I've been a member of the Fountain House community for 15 years and in that time have traveled with the clubhouse internationally, being both a student and teacher of mental health, language, best practices, recovery, empowerment, and philosophy. And now my co-host, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are?
0: Sure. Thanks, Michael. Um, my name's Elise Shook. I officially joined in March of 2017. At the time, I was working a very stressful job doing academic research uh, at a major cancer hospital in the city, and I wasn't able to, to come. Um, it was only after I left that very stressful work environment that I had the time and energy to, to come back. the house. And I'm so glad that I was able to come back. It demonstrates the, the adage, like once a member, always a member. So I've been able to start a new career here, which is working as a peer specialist. And I work on uh, the Fountain House Warm Line, which is staffed by trained peers. And we, we answer questions from our community, giving them guidance, just someone to talk to if someone's lonely. You know, we we offer a lot of emotional support and practical support. So um, I'm really happy to be back in the house and to start building relationships that have been really meaningful for me and and have a new career. So I think what we'll do is start playing the audio clips that we have from our members that really touched on a whole range of issues in terms of how they responded to learning about the virus itself, as well as like that, Fountain House would be closing temporarily. So here we go, let's begin.
2: So I'm here with my worker, Johnny. Um, so Johnny, if you wanna start, cause I know we were in the mail room together when we heard. So uh, what was that like for you?
3: I mean, I just remembered like pretty much everybody kinda had to get ready to leave and it just like, Pretty much felt weird because just out of nowhere knowing that we're always open knowing we're going to be open the next day now all of a sudden we had to dismiss ourselves due to this new situation like what was this so-called covid virus thing you know it just didn't feel like the clubhouse just to know that it wouldn't be open the next day so it did quite feel strange and i'm pretty sure others felt the same way
2: yeah i remember um we were doing reach out calls together Mm-hmm. And um, we were telling people we were going to close Friday at 1 that week. But then we were in the mail room late because the Silver Center came with a bunch of mail. And we were the last ones left to uh, to meter it and seal it. And then Samin walked in from the programming meeting. And she was like, we literally have to shut down tomorrow. And I just didn't know what to say. Because it didn't hit me yet at that point, though. And I remember I looked at you. And I was like, so can we go to Grand Central? Like, can we take a walk across town? Because we did that during the Million Step Challenge over the summer. And that was kind of my way of, like, reclaiming some normalcy. Because I knew we were about to kind of lose that. But like I said, it wasn't hitting. So I kind of wanted to, like, grab onto anything I could that was normal. So those walks across to Grand Central over to summer were like, a thing we did for the wellness challenge and that felt routine because i just didn't want to exit fountain house and be like okay bye and it would feel super sad and melancholy like i wanted to leave in a way that would kind of be okay you know what i mean
3: yeah i mean it just pretty it just felt like the world just changed you know just that day um and then how we just pretty much developed into the virtual community that we are today you know where Fountain House is pretty much no longer that safe haven that members or staff could actually come to. So, just just understanding that it just felt uh, quite eerie in in a sense, but also this uh, feeling of uncertainty must have been unsettling to to many of us. Not just being within the communication union, you know, just walking, you know that that was a thought I had in my mind. You know,
2: it was dark outside, and I remember. We went to the red bleachers in Times Square before we got to Grand Central, and it was like, it was just wild. There was, like, nobody out there, and it just felt very, like, there was a sadness in the air. Absolutely. I remember thinking, I was like, I don't know when I'm going to see you again.
3: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think even though there was a lot of changes that day, I think we still had hope that things would, one way or the other, get better.
2: Yeah. Hopefully, we'll all be back together here in the house, and... We can go back to what it once was.
0: We wanted to start off the episode with this very powerful clip, which showcases a very intimate dialogue between a member and her staff worker. And I think this clip really showcases a number of issues. First, it really highlights the very close collaboration and relationships that form between members and staff. And it really captures the sort of immediacy of what this particular member and her staff worker experienced in the very moment of learning uh, that the clubhouse is going to be closing the next day. And they spoke so eloquently about You know, this loss of stability, you know, the house is really about always being open every day of the year. And it didn't seem like the clubhouse anymore because it was closing and it was like a huge shock that caused a lot of emotional uh, responses for, for both the member and the staff worker. And I really like how this captures that very in the moment response to learning about the news so I thought this is a really a nice, compelling clip in terms of how this particular member wanted to stay in touch with her worker. You know, she wanted to reclaim this normalcy and, and do something that she had routinely done with him, probably because she had no idea when she would see him again. So trying to stay sane and stable during this time, I think, uh, was really important for for this particular member and her worker. Mike, what, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's really right. This this resonates with a lot of things uh, um someone else said in our group. Uh a member of our production team said something about the the sadness in the air not knowing when they'd see each other again and I think that's really a powerful statement. And and I think also too this really highlights the meaning of something important in our community at Fountain House about the the nature of member and staff relationships at Fountain House in our community, um, members and staff are equal. They're really on equal footing, and it highlights something in 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 our community that we that we cherish this idea of relationship development, something in our in our community that is a, a part of. The, the recovery model and, and the therapeutic nature of what happens at Fountain House, uh, a foundation of that is relationships and relationship development. And I think this, uh, this, this bit of dialogue here highlights the, the importance and the meaning of those powerful relationships that exist at Fountain House between uh, members and staff working together side by side and, and building relationships. So, uh, yeah, I think that's really important.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And one last thing on that, it's sort of like they they both wanted this sense of security, you know, this sort of need for security that was completely out of the blue, taken away from them uh, that Fountain House does provide. And also what you just said about the security of that very close relationship that forms between member and worker. And I think they both articulately kind of express the, the desire for security on, on both of those levels. So really illustrates the power of our clubhouse model.
4: For me, it was a shocker. The first thing I said was, geez, you know, where are we going to play? Uh, I'm not going to get to play. Um, I have nowhere to go. My whole world is, is built around support and I, I can't go to therapy, now I can't go to Fountain House and I can't go out and I can't you know see the people that I see. Kind of reminded me of the time when you know I was homeless and I was alone, although it's not not quite as severe, it's not, not that bad. I got really hyped up with this Facebook, a uh, uh, fountain house community thing, and I was—it was a whole new thing to me. And I was like, "This is great! This is great!" And I was literally on Facebook for the whole entire day. And then I would say about two, two to three weeks later, I—I I, I lost my interest for it, and then I sunk into a depression because I was watching the news, and it was all hitting me, you know. So I—I I had to rise myself from the grave you know, bring myself back to reality of, you know, you can't see everybody. You could talk to them, but you can't see them. Um, So
3: when COVID came along, I was already not really going to Fountain House so much. I was trying to work. And so when everything got shut down, Emotionally, I was still the same, but I just was spending my time in my apartment. So personally, didn't really affect me that much other than not uh, walking around. So I was stressed out inside rather than stressed out outside.
5: I guess uh, back on March 13th or 14th, uh... Uh, my supervisor from Be Well LLC called me and, and told me that uh, the internship was uh, put on hold until further notice. Uh, I think that's when I realized that the physical space uh, clubhouse would be closing. Uh, the official word came that following Monday, and I guess I was really, really sad uh, and really depressed. Uh, because I knew that, you know, life as I knew it was going to be changing. Uh, I had to come up with uh, a new routine to both keep myself busy and at the same time relax. Uh, I'm one of those guys that, you know, n- never uh, spend large amounts of time at home. So that was kind of tough, especially when realizing that, yeah, I'm going to be spending a large amount of time at Home, and you know, with that comes cabin fever, which I suffer a lot, and try to go on walks. Um, it's not always feasible, especially when it's raining or when it's really cold. Uh, you know, the weather's been really crazy lately. I also had, you know, bouts of depression, you know, being cooped up in a house for long periods of time. I am missing my friends from town to house. Uh, I had to get used to that, you know. But just seeing all the members and staff working together, talking together, relaxing—I, I missed that a lot. But I also realized that how important it was for the physical clubhouse space to uh, close, it's for everybody's safety.
0: So, Mike, what comes to mind for you in listening to those uh, stories? So I think um,
1: that collection of, of stories and responses is, um, really touches on um, isolation and depression. Uh, I, I think of the first member there was speaking about homelessness, and I think about all the, all the people, all the vulnerable people in our community uh, and, and people beyond uh, dealing with various struggles. Homelessness. I think about, you know, he, he talked about when he was homeless. And I think about when I was homeless and my struggles there. Think about, you know, if, you know, if I had been dealing with that during this time, what I would have done, how, how I would have managed. I can't imagine what I would have done, how, how, how difficult that would have been. And, you know, the, The last caller there speaking about, you know, I know that resonates with so many people, this, you know, idea of not being used to being at home and cabin fever and, you know, dealing with depression and anxiety. And I know myself, I I, I dealt with all that when this first hit, the anxiety of not knowing what's going on and just thinking about all the other people, you know, dealing with, all this hardship and not knowing what's going to happen. And it's an unbelievable situation. And I, I know that the one thing I do know, though, is that a lot of people, a lot of members of Fountain House have been incredibly strong and resilient and have been unbelievably supported by having something like Fountain House, having a support system like the clubhouse community, in their corner to back them up during this time. I know that that has made a world of difference for people who have been dealing with isolation and depression. So I know that that um, has been a helpful thing for a lot of people who who have expressed these these feelings.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, I think I kind of took away a couple of additional points from those stories, um, specifically the kind of the role that House plays um for our membership so the first story the member was talking about a lot like you said uncertainty about where is he going to play his music because a musician in our community he plays his music at fountain house Um, it's a loss of a critical meaning source of meaning for him i think he also raised something that was very interesting which was even though we kind of tried to create or we did create sort of a a a virtual community and in response to the loss of the physical space or interacting in the physical space, he said something so interesting, which was, you can't see them. You can be with them, but can't see them. So even though we're trying to participate in Zoom meetings and seeing people on video, there's something about it not really being enough for this particular member. And it kind of makes me think about what does it mean to actually see someone, and and even if it's virtually, you know, it's it's sort of like maybe not offering the full benefit that Fountain House provides people in terms of being there physically present, um, in terms of allowing for the sort of impromptu interactions, the sort of side-by-side work, which you talked about earlier, um, the sort of spontaneous kind of joking and camaraderie. So I felt like the first member really spoke to that really clearly. Yeah, I totally agree with you in terms of the sense of isolation. It's sort of like Fountain House provides this sort of like unifying structure to individuals' days. It's sort of a place to go to feel like you're going to have a sense of purpose for your day. Um, and sort of having that ripped away from you as someone who who struggles with mental illness, I think that's can be very devastating. And obviously for, for some of these folks um, really impacted their mood for sure. Like you mentioned in terms of heightened depression. And I think this, you know, some of these stories that we've heard so far, it really kind of highlights, like you said earlier, like the true importance of the clubhouse in serving people with mental, living with a mental illness um, in terms of providing structure and meeting meaning and a place to kind of connect with like-minded uh, souls and share your story and feel a sense of camaraderie. And so having this all taken away and replaced with the virtual component, which may not be fully doing the job in its, you know, 100%, really, I think, demonstrates and crystallizes the, the huge importance of a clubhouse uh, for individuals living with a mental illness. So Um, I totally echo a lot of the things that you said, and so let's continue to play a couple more clips.
6: When I first heard that Fountain House is closing its physical doors, I was so upset because that gives me the strength to go through my days, to be um, involved in the home and garden unit. So... Um, in the beginning, I was at home, I was by myself, and I just non-stop TV until it was time to go to bed. And then I'd be upset as soon as I woke up again that I didn't know how to connect, how to do anything, uh, because I felt like I had too much time. Thankfully, I was taught to call in I mean, I called in first to the warm line when I could, and that helped a little bit. But as soon as I understood how to use Zoom, I felt connected again and saw people that I hadn't seen for a while and that really turned things around for me. So um, even though it's a virtual reality, it also uh, has been helping me tremendously.
7: Um, when I first learned of the pandemic, I was um, working um, at that time at a Goodwill boutique store in uh, Manhattan. Um, it was pretty, uh, pretty much of a shock and seemed kind of surreal. I recall wearing um, latex gloves, Um, But I was, of course, concerned about my, you know, physical health and well-being. I'm also concerned about my family. When I found out that the clubhouse, you know, was going to be closing, um, I was pretty, pretty hurt. Because I felt that, you know, I wouldn't be able to connect with the clubhouse in any way and that it might likely be for a while. I wouldn't be able to go into the physical space of the clubhouse for a while. And all these crazy thoughts, you know, went through my head. I wasn't feeling welcome, which I know was, you know, not exactly, you know, truthful. So it actually had me kind of upset you know, that I couldn't go into the physical space and I'd be missing not only the staff, of course, but, you know, the members that I connect with.
8: Um, When I found out about COVID-19, the initial reaction I had was, well, I can see a pandemic coming down the road. Um, Having a healthcare background, to me, I was somewhat concerned, but I wasn't as alarmed in the very beginning. So I was more looking at this from an observing eye. But the more I kept seeing things exploding by watching what was going on in Italy, uh, as I had friends that lived there, the more frightening it became to me. And when a friend kept saying to me, "No, oh, you're only two weeks behind us. You're only two weeks behind. Your president really has to wake up and see what's going on the more fearful I was becoming about this. Um, of course, the fears that ensue as a result of this have really led me to become very vigilant. And of course, it's taken its toll on me emotionally, having, uh, you know, being the fact that I'm a, a immunosuppressed, compromised person, uh, being a cancer survivor and having uh, an incurable problem where I have to take a certain type of treatment every other week to sustain my life. So of course, it puts me at an impasse and I have to shelter in place in order to People's lives and I'm at the mercy of other people.
0: I feel like these are the first kind of snippets of stories where members are speaking beyond uh, Fountain House and the role that it plays for them in their lives. That last clip was really about a very articulate member speaking about just. This awareness and anticipatory anxiety about the virus in general, and knowing that it was coming, and concerns about how our president was handling the the impending crisis here. What strikes me so strongly about that is is sort of that anticipatory anxiety and uncertainty. And another member who was speaking about concern for his family. You know, concern about how this virus could affect the health of. For himself and his family. So I think that these stories, at least for me, start to capture some broader commentary about just responses to the virus in general and awareness that the virus was going to be coming and hitting our shores. Um, so I think that's interesting that that our members were very in touch with um, what's happening globally. Uh, so it's not necessarily just about closing Fountain House and, and how that's affected us, but we're aware of of sort of the global pandemic, just as you know, as the pandemic and how it's affecting everyone.
1: I think also this grouping of of messages speaks to the awareness and intelligence, the brilliance of our of our membership of people with mental illness, but also to the strength. I think you you said it right, and it speaks to that to the to the to the intelligence to the to the awareness but also to the strength the incredible strength of our membership all the all the responses there spoke of dealing with incredible you know struggles and having you know vulnerabilities and having to overcome them and deal with them and that uh, that that strength is just incredible, and it, it just inspires me all the time. Being a member of Fountain House and seeing that and hearing those stories, it's just uh, it's just uh, an incredible thing, a beautiful thing. That that strength to hear about. So I, that's what I take away from those from those responses.
0: I totally agree, and I I really appreciate you you raising that sort of positive tone and positive aspect of our membership because. It's a demonstration of individuals living with mental illness who have been unfortunate to kind of be contending with that in their lives, but yet it's possible to to have a sense of resilience and to cope and adapt in life. Um, And so many of our members do that. So I really appreciate that.
9: One, I was actually shocked when I heard that um... This coronavirus thing had gotten as far as it had when I heard in February that somebody got affected in, um, in 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 the United States. It started, I think, in Seattle. That's when you really started taking it seriously when it, when it hit home. You know, when it when it was in on on our, on our land, on our turf. That's when I really started taking it seriously. Well, I always took it seriously. My daughter and my family. This thing is not a joke. It's probably gonna. Not get better, but get worse, and I prepared my family for it. I was actually shocked that Foul House would be closing his doors. It was just like, just seemed like so out of character, right? Because Foul House is used to opening his doors, not closing his doors. But you, we actually had no choice in the matter. You know, we didn't want anybody else to get sick or die. You know, what always stands out in my mind is, you know, um, when I went in, one of our clients here, Sally, when I went in to check on her. And I saw her on the floor and, you know, I called the MS, nine one one came and I thought she was going to make it. You know, she seemed like she was always a fighter Sally at 37th Street residence. She's actually the only person here that died of COVID-19 and about a week later we heard that she passed away and, you know, I don't think there was a, a, a dry um, eye in the, the whole entire residence. Everybody here was just in shock and just dis-
1: dismay. So this is a really powerful response from a staff member in our, in our residential program. Fountain House um, has a residential program and has it houses uh, members of, of our community. I think about around about 500 members live in um, buildings throughout the five boroughs. And, um, we also have a senior building. And during this time of Covid nineteen, that um, residential program has been very, has been sort of tested. And they have, you know, been exemplary, and the staff has been incredible and has gone above and beyond for for members. And members have been helping other members, and it's been a total community effort and they deserve every bit of love and credit that they get for everything they've done. But in that time, you know, we, we've lost some people, unfortunately. We have lost some people, not as many people as we thought. Thankfully, it's, it's been not as bad, but we have lost some people, and this, this message speaks to that. You know, it's, it's hard. People, people lose people all over. You know, I, I have a good friend. Member of Fountain House in the Bronx, he lost his father to COVID-19, and it's the hardest thing. I can't even imagine how how hard that is, and how hard that must be. It, it breaks my heart. I think about it all the time, and I think about all those people who who are who have lost someone to this terrible. Disease that just just popped up, you know, out of nowhere. And I just think about it, and then I, I have friends, you know, members of Fountain House that you know I knew, I I know people that have passed away from this. Members that I know have known for years, and it hurt me deeply, and it's just it's terrible. So I think there's a space for for that, and for for taking time to to grieve and to hear that and think about that. So that's that's what we're making time for. So
0: Well, uh Mike, I just want to say I'm so sorry for your loss, the losses that you've been, you know, sort of experiencing um in terms of the the members that you intimately know who've experienced that. I know for me personally, um one of my great aunts uh passed away from COVID. Uh so it's affected my family directly as well. And I know it's affected uh, a worker that I'm close to in in one of the units that I worked with. You know, she lost her grandmother. So it's it's a totally tragic situation that um, we're still trying to figure out sort of the the origins of this. And my personal view on this is, you know, this is a, a global pandemic. The last time this happened is over 100 years ago. And we need to take advantage of this opportunity to make some real changes for the planet to address the sort of social inequities that have always been present here in our country that have been just completely exposed as a result of this tragic event. Again, my condolences, Mike, um, for you know the losses that you've experienced for other members. But just on on that point, I I, I lost a very good friend way before COVID, but this kind of touches back on Fountain House and the strength of our community. When we lose a member in our community, we do try to come together and acknowledge that loss, because it affects us as individuals, since we are a tight community. It's built on relationships, as you said earlier. We form relationships with both members and staff. And when we lose someone that's important to us, we pay homage to that person. We memorialize that person. We You know, once we reopen in some capacity, there'll be a lot of outpouring of grief and ways to formally and informally pay tribute to to the members that we have lost. Briefly, on another side, you know, we have a a support group that runs every every week um, for folks who are dealing with any kind of loss that have been directly affected by COVID, and so we we're trying to offer that sort of emotional support to members at this time. And again, it kind of comes back to the sort of idea of strength of community that the clubhouse, not only Fountain House, but clubhouses in general, clubhouses across the globe, the importance of a clubhouse for people who, for someone who's living with mental illness. So we'll pay homage to these folks uh, once we do physically reopen.
3: Uh, Found House closing from COVID-19, that didn't really surprise me. Uh, In the weeks leading up to its closing, while I was in school, we were discussing coronavirus very deeply at my school. It appeared from what everyone was saying that everything was going to close. And I wasn't surprised when Found House closed. But the fact that we started a virtual clubhouse really... um,
1: It's there for me, you know? It's like I have this... I have this social padding. I have this, I have this level of comfort. Yeah, I mean, Fountain House has always been there for me. So it's just, it's needed.
10: Honestly, when they, when they said we're closing Fountain House, I was a little relieved because I think I was really tired of going. Yeah, uh, not gonna win this award. Uh, anyways, I uh, I mean, they, the first thing they said was that I wasn't cooking anymore for the Wanakee, which is something I was doing. And I was a little relieved. I was like, oh, okay, I don't have to do that anymore. Great. And then they said, we're, you know, we're quarantining. And I was like, all right, at least I have my phone with internet on it. Time went on. I actually got a little sick. I don't know if it was co- uh, coronavirus, but, um, it was something, I had a, I had a slight cough, a dry cough, and I felt a little warm, so I thought it might be the the coronavirus. I'm not sure what it was, it lasted about two weeks and then I was better, but we're still quarantining. And luckily I have internet and I have a computer so I can, you know, hide my time on that.
11: When I first heard about the coronavirus, It was pretty early on, you know, all with China and virus breaking out. Then about two weeks before Fountain House closed, I had a conversation with Dr. Aquila. He doesn't even remember, probably. It was very brief. It was in a hallway. And he had been to Italy. And he said, it's coming. And it's going to be big. And I was telling people this is going to be a ghost town. He wasn't spreading it because he didn't want to cause trouble, you know, in people's minds. And then I stopped telling people because I said, well, what good is that going to do? But... uh, I was very apprehensive about being in my house alone because I don't like to spend extended periods of time in my house alone. I get things done by going to Fountain House and working on the computer and writing and doing stuff for the paper and commiserating and socializing with different people, you know, that I that I, that I do and meeting new people and that's my social life and at night I kind of take it easy. But that's because I've had a whole day to do things and be constructive and purposeful and or not, or meander around and try to figure out what to do. But the the point is, now I was going to have weeks and maybe months of trying to figure out what to do with myself. I had been working on a play that got accepted into a festival, and now that wasn't going to happen. And that had been a lot of my focus. So I was very apprehensive. But I have to say that Fountain House really saved my life here, my mental and emotional life. Uh, I was feeling apprehensive and worried and some sadness. And then I started getting into the Fountain House community and posting a funny song every day. I started writing spoof Corona songs, like I will survive with different lyrics. And they were very well received. And I started going to groups and interacting. And that's great. That's great. It gives me a sense of purpose. It gives me a, it fills time at the very least. It gives me a sense of purpose at the most.
1: Yeah, I just got to say, uh, shout out to that last uh, response. Uh, look for him as a future host on podcasts in the future. He is a very insightful man. I'm sure you will enjoy his what he has to say. Um, I think what he had to say echoes the other two responses, talking about productivity and what Fountain House does for you, what it can do for you, you know, just being stifled during this time, being caught up, having things going on, and then all of a sudden having just your whole world just abruptly stopped and and then not knowing where to go and having all this work, all these things you wanna do, but, you know, not knowing how to get anything done now because you're 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 thrown your whole schedule your whole system is thrown out of whack you know how you used to do everything is like now not the same anymore and you have to like rearrange how you did things and a lot of times for people i I know for myself you know i I follow a, a system i follow a a kind of regimen to take care of myself, to make sure that things don't get kind of unbalanced. And it's important that I, you know, do certain things in a certain way. And some, I, I think a lot of people are that way. And when this whole situation came upon us, it threw all that out of whack. And we had to like, you know, sort of re, re sort of find a new way of conducting our daily lives. So, uh, but again, Fountain House helped with with a lot of that and has supported us through a lot of this sort of crazy time, so.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's, it's just been insane. But I think that these clips really, again, echo some of the themes that we've already talked about in terms of the role of Fountain House in terms of providing a sense of structure, meaning, socialization, something to do with your day, which is... As that last future co-host mentioned, you know it's not only just providing structure and meaning, but it's also a place to just relax and to to hang out and to t- talk with your friends and to be in that safe, supported environment with people who you know struggle with some of the similar issues that, that you do. And as someone who lives with a mental illness myself and from the work that i do and talking to other other folks in our in our community you know i think that we tend to struggle with issues like isolation forming relationships i think is more challenging uh, keeping a routine like you mentioned mike is being really important for you personally like keeping that kind of structure and and maintaining self-care practices i mean i think all of those things are really really vital for people who live with a mental illness, I think that unfortunately it's more challenging for individuals like us um, in those areas. So um, it's affecting everyone, um, but I think it's affecting our community particularly hard due to the inherent vulnerabilities that are part of what having a mental illness is like um, on a day-to-day basis. You know, one one last point that I want to make before before we wrap up is. A lot of these stories are from, um, members who do have that technical skill and prowess and capability of having a computer at home and having a smartphone and being able to connect to this new virtual community, which Fountain House just birthed, you know, like right away, uh, in an amazing fashion. Uh, the staff, like you said, was so incredible at doing that, but maybe half of our membership doesn't have that technical uh, support at home. They don't have a computer. They don't have a a phone. Um, And so Fountain House is meeting members where they're at, which I think is a real testament, again, to our model, and has put in place uh, programs to help those individuals as well. So I think the stories that you've heard in this episode, really reflect this sort of positive embrace of the "quote unquote" virtual clubhouse, um, being able to see your friends again, to participate, to to help out with work activities. But there is a sizable, maybe half of our membership, um, who don't have that technical, um, either skill or resources or tools at home. So we've been trying to support those folks too.
1: You know, we are working, we are trying to work with those folks to to bridge that uh, digital divide.
0: Exactly. And it's actually showing the innovation of the staff on this front and members in terms of like using this as an opportunity to actually do something that I think was always important for those individuals, which is technical literacy. You know, helping people to feel more comfortable using a computer or using a smartphone helping people develop those skills and now fountain house staff and members are responding to that to that need um it's sort of like a silver lining <laughs> but um hopefully in future episodes we'll be able to to hear the stories of some of those folks i guess i thought we could just uh, quickly wrap up in the do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share mike
1: I want to thank everyone for participating. I think you you have some closing remarks and take it away.
0: Sure. Well, thank you. So I guess, first of all, I really would like to thank you, Mike, as uh, my co-host in helping to have the conversation with me um, in this first episode of this, I think, impactful podcast for both our community and then outside of our community. So thank you so much um, because you are... Uh, a longtime member. I'm a new member. You have a lot of breadth of uh, experience and expertise and knowledge of Clubhouse as a model globally. So thank you so much. Um, It's been a pleasure to learn from you. And again, we want to thank, you know, all of the members who contributed their stories um, in such a vulnerable, raw and honest way uh, to this first episode. So you know, we really learned a lot from them. So we want to acknowledge their voices and they're taking the time to participate in, in our first episode. Um, We have an awesome production team that's doing all the behind the scenes work and getting this podcast up and running. So I I definitely want to acknowledge them and, and thank them for all their technical prowess and deep thinking and conceptualization of the, the purpose and focus of, and direction of, of this series. So So many people to thank. Last closing thoughts, I just would like to kind of give you just a a sneak tidbit, sneak window into our next episode of the series, the COVID podcast series, which is going to be really highlighting the challenges uh, that our members have faced. And I think we want to take a deeper dive on that issue. You know, we've been quarantined for over 45 days now. I can't even think of the number of days. What are the maybe the long-term challenges that people have experienced during this time. So please continue to, to tune in. We're, we're really excited to present all this content with you. So stay tuned for our next episode. And uh, thanks again, Mike. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today.
1: Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Stay tuned.
0: The intro music in this episode is used by permission of Greg Stanger, and the outro music is used by permission of Kane Balzer.